So when I made this declaration that, okay, the next phase of my life was going to be about, going to be about living an extraordinary life with ease, joy, and grace, I don't believe I even knew what ease meant, you know, because I was so brainwashed and really mastered the art of working hard. You had to work hard, really, to, you know, make something of yourself. You had to work hard to earn money. You had to work hard to create, uh, you know, a, a happy family. So the idea of ease felt like lazy. You know, so it was like a meaning I gave. Oh, this person's so lazy. Or you can just laze around or, you know, like I just too often say to my mom, you know, you're so, you're like, you've got the brain the size of a planet and you just go around, you know, closing your eyes and doing something. And then you read all this profound stuff, but then you go close your eyes and you seem to be sitting in one place for so long, you know, don't understand. It's just pure laziness. And she would just smile and she would say, oh, I think you'll find it useful if you also followed at least some of this practice. And she would share her profound interpretation of the Bhagavad Gita or, you know, her own understanding of how the universe comes together and stuff. And all of that was felt good. And I thought it felt good because I was listening to the voice of my mother. But actually, there were these are all seeds that get planted. You know, knowing what I know now, that every word has, has an innate vibration, that vibration is the energy signature. And any communication actually is a cellular communication. I do it with intention. You know, and my mom, I'm sure, did it with intention as well. So all of these seeds were planted in me. And knowing what I now know about the seven facets of ease, I can see many of those facets were completely displayed by how she communicated with us. She went through, she was, she was, very, she remained very, very ill with one thing or the other from the age of 32 onwards. And there were times when she would be in the hospital with needles coming out from all directions and them not being able to find her veins and poking. And it, we would be cringing in pain. And my mom would say, relax, it's only my hand. And it's like, how can you even speak? But it was interesting. These facets of ease were completely being implemented by her. It wasn't that she was not experiencing pain because we had discussions about it after my spiritual awakening, my first spiritual awakening, because I did have a few months with her before she crossed over. And I went back to those times when we would see her and she would, these statements of hers, it's only my, it's only my arm, it's only my leg, or it's only my heart. Uh, when she, when I asked her, she explained that she experienced the pain, but she didn't become the pain. You know, and that was a part of aliveness for her in that moment that enabled her to experience a sense of gratitude for still having the gift of life. I remember the, um, this is the, the, her last tint in the, 
um, in the hospital. And I'm sharing this only because I'm, I was able to map the seven facets to all of these you know, very unease type experiences. She was on the ventilator, meant to be there for, on it for four days. She was on it for about 45 days. And then it was, she, I don't know how she came out of it, out of her, um, you know, unconsciousness. And she asked for a piece of paper and she actually wrote on a piece of paper um, saying, take me off the ventilator. And then she says, this is a tsunami attack. And, you know, it's time for me to go. Just take me off. I want to go home. And that was it. That was the last communication she ever had with any of us. Um, and even there, I mean, you know, as some of you know of my work, I have, I have, I continue to work with her for a long time after she was even gone. And she's, you know, I still receive some really powerful, profound wisdom from her. But even then, when I look at the seven facets of ease that I'm about to share with you, she was completely embracing those seven facets, even in that communication, which is why it is quite unheard of that she actually, that somebody actually is on this ventilator with these tubes, writes something that is legible for people to even see. And it, the, because she had embodied this, ease became her. So for me, when I said, okay, I'm going to live the next phase of my life with ease, grace, and joy, I started noticing what was, what was really me and what was meaning that I had made into my own, making it, I had made into becoming me and therefore was getting engulfed in the meaning and, and detaching myself from who I really was. That is where I really developed this understanding of the human form and the soul presence within it being distinct and yet harmonized. And they always remain distinct and yet they remain in harmony for the duration of this journey coming together as one, which is the work that we do in Beyond Meditation. So let's look at these seven facets. The first facet is enlivened. Ease enlivens you. So when we go into our have to do this with ease, you know, um, it's not very enlivening. It almost like takes something away. What is enlivened? Enlivened is making something more entertaining, more interesting, more appealing. And it's a facet of ease. So it comes, it's natural. When you choose ease, it's as if you get different lenses on. And you start experiencing or, or finding points of entertainment, finding, you know, humor sometimes. Certainly, when you are at an, in a state of ease, you become an even more profound observer. 
And that makes things so interesting. And the more interested you get in what is interesting, it becomes more appealing. So my mother saying, this is only my hand. You know, and all the rest of us like feeling so upset. I remember significant, um, you know, in those days, arguments I would have with the nurses and the doctors and, and how heartless they were and how they were poking her about. And my mom said, it's only, a, it's only my hand. Even looking back at those times was difficult. And yet, when I chose to live an extraordinary life with ease, joy, and grace, and I started delving into the enlivening facet, being able to observe what actually was happening there, how could she even handle all of these physical intervention? I get a little cut and it's so uncomfortable and so much else was going on with her. I got to see this very interesting revelation that, okay, we do have a soul presence. And when you are in this space, recognizing the human form is a vessel of fulfillment of your soul presence, you can delve into your soul presence. And from that space, observe what is going on in the human form. At a soul level, there is no pain. There is no joy either. There is what there is. There is only this constant illumination which means she could groan a little about the pain she was having, but she did not become the pain. It, that interest is, so, you know, it was, it was very interesting to observe. And it was only done with hindsight because, I mean, I did not have the where with it all to engage with it at the time that this was occurring because I was very engrossed in what would be termed as the real world at the time. But even looking back, it's almost like I was doing this forensic postmortem, observing it now with the lens of enlivened facet of ease. I understood that, okay, yes, the soul and the human form come together in harmony and they maintain their distinct qualities and their distinct identities knowing that in, at, whilst you're having the human form, that is how the soul is going to express itself. So there is mutual respect there. And any mutual respect that is tarnished is only the creation of mind and thought. It's not real. So what my mother was able to achieve was go into her soul presence. And then, you know, that was her pain management. that occurred. Okay, they, they needed to give some tablets, but very rarely her, her physical body couldn't have taken the pain meds that most people get given. So enlivened, can you imagine experiencing becoming enlivened when you're going through something so physically painful? 
and this it, because it is a combination of you know being able to find a sense of humor i mean this thing oh this is a tsunami attack she didn't say it because oh my god i'm like collapsing it's a tsunami attack this is a phrase that she used and you know uh, if somebody someone drew a smiley face they would draw a smiley face she chose to draw om at the end of that but that was her smiley face equivalent it's like hello you're a 44 days on a ventilator and you're thinking you, <laughs> you want to write this <laughs> but it was like okay this is this is it you know and it was very interesting to observe how the rest of us were reacting to this situation so there it is we were able to observe this last leg of her journey with with this facet of ease enlivened it transformed i was able to do this because i was actually you know into living an extraordinary life with ease joy and grace and that supported everyone in the family to actually be able to look at the fullness of what was going on and rather than be upset and sad about it we just spend the time celebrating our time with her celebrating her life she must have heard in her comatose stage must have heard so many entertaining stories from all sorts of people that had interacted with her and it was literally just this first facet enlivened she was a dancer a violinist uh, an academic a philosopher and a very amazing interpreter of the bhagavad gita one of the best that i've ever ever come across and a phenomenal teacher as well so there were many people that she interacted with and we were able to celebrate all of that it wasn't you know because sometimes it when people don't know what to say and they are faced with all of the sadness what comes out can after a while seem patronizing and here we were actually anchoring it in real stories because i was very engaged in not just saying the words for the sake of saying the words but actually anchoring this facet of ease which is enlivened you know okay it's a tsunami attack and yes we get that this is the time that she is going to cross over let's make it more entertaining interesting and appealing for her and for us as a whole body of work that came through on on the understanding of death this whole thing that i talk about what is life what is death what is love what is sex you know emerged from that time when she was in a comatose state and i was just writing she was communicating through me all of these phenomenal understandings of what we can do with the life that we have so how can you implement enlivened in a a situation that you may be going through you know you you hear me talk about lay of the land lay of the land lay of the land right so if you're working on yourself to really you know 
bring about ease with ease and you begin with the first facet of enlivened with the benefit of hindsight take some of the toughest situations that still bother you and you just take that and say okay with this enlivened lens you know let's look at what in this situation is something that i can find some sense of humor in what in this situation really in you know sparks my curiosity and you literally just have to look at those two and the moment your curiosity is sparked it actually becomes really appealing for you to do a deep dive what makes it easier for me always when i do the lay of the land is i just go physically let's look at that mentally but let's look at that you know emotionally let's look at that S socially you know environmentally spiritually you just just take each one until you start noticing something interesting and you start you will find i, I have i have always found something that was always present in most situations that with hindsight can seem quite entertaining you don't have to necessarily laugh about it but it, as an observer it can be like okay that's hmm glad i wasn't there so you can imagine me applying this to you know getting married to the love of my life after seven and a half years and the first time he beat me up but like how can enlivened even looking back what can there be entertaining about it i mean you know it just came from left to field i expected something completely different the shock to my system was phenomenal and how fast my my mind went in terms of i can i was just ready to give up my career and everything and just be a housewife and in that moment it was like okay i'm not doing that and from that point on you know i was in saudi arabia from that point on it was like i have to find a way women can't work here you know so every connection that i was making were really just my husband's contacts i would be deeply interested in where they were at you know what what is going on with their wives and i would be very interested and intrigued by you know how their wives had given up their howard degrees and being at home and stuff and it was through that that my first foray into entrepreneurialism emerged and an institute for computer studies got created the first one of its kind in saudi arabia at the time and we we did it in a very entertaining interesting and appealing ways you know we created our first international cookbook because the way i was getting teachers was having one person from each embassy each consulate to become be nominated to be a part of this gourmet club and that's where i got my teachers created a book club with the, for you know english educated saudi women where the students came from 
I started reading fiction, which I never did. I was a very serious academic business book, Newsweek, Economic Times reader. I learned the joys of, you know, reading fiction. At that point in time, I wasn't looking at it like this because I was just go, 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 go. But all of those experiences and choices were done by me. It's amazing. You know, I invite each one of you to take at least one or two facets of your life and look back at it with this lens of ease. And, and we are only at the first facet right now, just become aware of the time. But you can imagine even just that one facet makes you realize, wow, something was going on. I thought I was like so overwhelmed and yet I was making choices and connecting the dots and, you know, like that's, what, that's how I realized the place, you know, where, what made me an entrepreneur who could take an idea and convert it into a business and really quite develop that mastery in it was Saudi Arabia. You know, I would never have thought that, never. I've done my MBA and all of that, and I would have always attributed it to that. But when I've done this kind of, you know, benefit of hindsight, deep dives, I realized ah, actually it was that. What made it possible for me to live anywhere in the world and be able to communicate across cultures, across, um, you know, um, status, across generations is Saudi Arabia. Because Really, it was full of expatriates. And yet the work I did, you know, I worked with the local women. So I got quite deep into that culture, which most people wouldn't have done. And how fortunate to come up with this idea of an Institute for Computer Studies for Women. And it was just, uh, it all that emerged from that first slap that I got. And I decided, okay, I am not becoming a housewife. And it was this enlivened facet that kept me going. Even though I didn't know it then, Really, this is what was going on. The second facet of ease is anchored. I mean, I love this. I get very excited when I see the word anchor. <clears throat> so anchored is really to be firmly based in a particular set of ideas or beliefs. So ease automatically anchors you in ease. Right? So all of these facets that I'm talking about, the moment I chose, the next phase of my life was going to be about living an extraordinary life with ease, joy, and grace. I am anchored in ease with all of these facets activated. Now it's up to me where I choose to dive deep into but it happens automatically. 
you know, hence when Catherine, you and I were just talking before everyone came on and you would say, oh my God, I'm just actually losing ease in wanting to dive deep into ease, but you were able to pick it up, you know, and literally nip it in the bud. And that's what happens with this. The moment you choose ease, you get anchored in this idea or belief that that's even possible. And it, everything begins with that, us allowing it ourselves to own that it is possible. And remember I talk about this journey from data to information, to knowledge, to wisdom, to knowing. Ease is a fast track from data to knowing. Because it gets, it, you, anchor, you anchor yourself in that belief. Now, he, here's how it does it. It's important to understand what a belief is. You know, a belief is a thought that you keep thinking and you think a lot. So the idea of, you know, something can be done with ease, like extraordinary life with ease, join grace. And I would think it a lot and I would say it a lot. It got anchored and became a belief. And it is a belief that is a knowing state. The innate vibe of a belief is that you have a knowing about it. So when, once I got into that space that, okay, you know, I'm living an extraordinary life and, and everything that occurs from now on is going to occur with ease, joy, and grace, all aspects of my life are going to coexist. I had no idea how that was going to happen. But I did say it a lot. I thought it a lot. And I started observing, you know, enliven the first facet or already gets you to observe at such a level of detail that that anchoring gets stationed very fast as a knowing. And this whole idea of understanding what a belief is and how you then change your beliefs, because the belief I had to change was you had to work hard to make something of yourself. You know, at that point, it was like, I'm going to make a difference in the world. I have to work really, really hard at it, deplete myself of energy, and therefore have hardly any vitality left <laughs> to share. So it had to happen with ease, joy, and grace. Otherwise, I just won't have the capacity even to give. So I had to shift that belief of you have to work hard for something to it's going to occur with ease, joy, and grace. And the way to do that was to think it a lot. How crazy is that? You know, now when you think something a lot, just think about it. <laughs> the moment I said, think about it, you immediately go, hmm, an observer aspect of you comes in, right? You immediately, your, 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 the, the certain parts of you just open up and you start, you know, really engaging with it at a level of depth automatically. So I'm saying to shift a belief. A belief is only a thought that you think a lot and, you know, you keep thinking. You automatically start observing. And in that observation, you're automatically anchoring it 
in reality, in your field, it becomes accessible to you just by the virtue of taking the thought and thinking it a lot. So I, the next phase of my life is going to be living an extraordinary life with ease, joy, and grace, where all aspects of my life coexist. I thought that a lot, but every time I thought, I didn't just, didn't, you don't just, repeating a statement isn't thinking about it, right? You, there's something more that occurred. It, I started journaling. I never wrote anything for, I don't know, decades because I was one of these early people in the computer industry, had access to computers from a very young age. Everything was typed out. I actually started journaling my observations, which I never did before either. So in that journaling, I would read what I'd written. I was like, oh yeah, actually, you know. And I, before that, I would just go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. Really, there is no, there was no time to stand and stare, as William Wordsworth said. And here, just standing and staring and thinking, shifted that belief. And I went from, you have to work hard to make something of yourself, to, you know, I'm going to live my life and come alive with ease, joy, and grace and share the journey. And that is how I'll be making my contribution in the world. And before that, working really, really hard, the only person I really was able to serve was myself and maybe my immediate family in terms of their basic needs, the lowest rung of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And that also is important, but that can be served automatically when you step into the realm of ease. And the second facet is that it anchors you, firmly bases you in this idea of it can occur with ease. So now if something's taking too much effort or it looks like it's really hard, then I know it's time to pause a little or step back and regroup, rise above all of the content, reconnect with the context of my life and observe where my intervention is actually going to make a difference. So the second one, the only thing to do there is know what beliefs, be beliefs for me are where you are in a state of knowing. So if you have an idea and you want that idea to become a knowing, you know, which is like, I'm just a natural magnetizer of exactly what I require when I require it. And Catherine, you certainly hold that belief that you can manifest anything, you know, from rainbows to trampolines to, you know, barbecues, <laughs> right? And you do. It's, a, it's an idea that you just thought a lot and started observing. 
really enlivening yourself from that observation and the manifestation. You don't need to go sit on a cave to sit and figure out how to manifest. You know, really you're applying the ease lens to how this manifestation started occurring. And you started seeing it left, right, and center. And you know someone who naturally tends to work very, very hard, similar to my background. You know, a lot of us have that. Wherever you work super hard, you don't have that the ease experience at all. The universe just knows where to give you ease. So you know that if you can do it in the manifesting realm, you can do it anywhere. Because ease by itself is, an, is, you know, the anchoring facet gets you to know that you can just convert anything you think about, any idea, you can convert it into a belief, which is a knowing. And it occurs with ease. The third facet about ease I mean, this is interesting, you know, again, I don't never change the words that come to me. This third facet is soulful. So soulful, you know, okay, so what's soulful? Soulful is expressing profound thoughts or feelings. Like it's really full of showing our deep feelings. And you know what takes ease away? the most easily is where we hold ourselves back. Where we don't express our through words and when we don't express our feelings. And there are situations, I do this body of work about discovering your or uncovering your autopilot. And it gets me to uh, come up close and personal with different types of experiences that people have had. And some of them are quite shocking. Some of them are heart-wrenching, you know, and, and it's, it's choices and decisions that people made that have got lodged in their subconscious that come from those experiences. Then maybe from their childhood or from particular incidents. And that in itself is a very soulful conversation that they have with me. You know, and I listen to it. And those, there are several of you with whom I've done this work personally. I'm always listening to the energy signature in your words. I'm listening to the soulful expression of your interpretation of your experience. Now, as a result, when you discover what your autopilot is that has governed your life, there is this very odd sense of ease that dawns on you. You feel that, oh, okay, I can actually move forward. What occurred at that time that I made mean whatever I made it mean, you know, has served me up to this point in time. And I don't have to operate my life that way. Expressing your profound thoughts and feelings. 
means that you actually, you don't have to put on a front. You don't have to, you know, face up to things. You can actually feel the feeling. You may not express it to someone outside, but you can feel yourself. I know when I chose for myself in those, in those early days that uh, I, I can't possibly express what I want to anyone. That's going to be my choice. And I'm just going to work with that. Nobody will ever know. Because when I did express my feelings, I thought I just got, they just got snubbed. And I didn't want to feel hurt anymore. Didn't like that. But really, it took ease away. You know, I was, became self-reliant. I wasn't naturally magnetizing collaborators or co-creators to accelerate where I wanted to get to. I was just stepping on one hamster wheel after another, after another. In the, in the belief that I had to work really hard. Disconnected from my soul presence, which in fact is infinite and has access to resources beyond what my mind could ever comprehend. I know that because, you know, I, have, I did make that switch and allowed myself to feel my feelings fully. I do that now. And there is a sense of ease about it. You will find when you do this with the benefit of hindsight work with ease and you delve into the soulful part. You know, when I do this work with the pearls of wisdom, I literally just take one incident and apply all of the seven to that. In some of the seven, there'll be a lot that I would discover and uncover, and some there might be one or two things, but there's always some yummy, juicy insight. What's more, by doing it with your own experiences that have impacted your life, that have formed your beliefs, that have given you your experiences up to this point in time, you really honor yourself fully. Good, bad, ugly, beautiful. And in doing so, you actually are honoring your own worthiness. And you're reclaiming your dignity. That's what the soulful facet does. You become the dignitarian. And soulfully, you honor the human form for becoming this full expression of who you are. It gives you an opportunity to be anchored and grounded and you give yourself permission to infinitely expand. Your communication becomes so crisp, so clear, ums and ahs disappear. Your asks become very, very clear. 
your promises, your declarations are also clear. And when you have that level of clarity, you are walking your path. And everybody else and everything that comes into it from the past or as you're walking along, they become a collaborator or a co-creator. And you're automatically in the realm of coexistence because you are really, you know, that's just natural to us. The human form and the soul being are co-creating coexistence. So we are pretty good at that. Soulful gets you to become very aware of it. That experience of you understanding your source mastery is a soulful experience. Soulful by itself has the innate vibe of the soul presence, which is infinite, eternal, indestructible, illuminated. You can feel the feelings deeply, soulful by itself, because it is illuminating, you don't get caught up in the darkness. And that's why it's one of the facets of ease. The fourth facet is enchanted. Enchanted, I love enchanted. <laughs> you know, and really what enchanted does is it you attract more deeply, you know, and you, you, you can rouse to ecstatic admiration. I think it's one of the dictionaries talks about that. Ease gives you that lightness of being, that level of clarity, the where with it all, you're anchored and expanded to really receive fully the, uh, this, what is there to admire in your fellow human beings, in your fellow living beings, living things, in your environment. I mean, imagine delving in this enchanted facet of ease and doing it in a full spectrum way. Taking the lay of the land, take the physical side, you know? What's, what, what do I admire here? On, in, in my physical world. And yeah, many things might come up that you don't admire and okay, notice that. The fact that you can notice it, you can still return to what do I actually admire? What moves me deeply about my physical presence? And it could be the environment. You know, the fact that something like an emergency has taken place and here I am doing a pearl of wisdom on ease in this amazing, beautiful place. Okay, yeah, it moves me deeply to have that opportunity to be able to do that. And you, you know, literally it will not take you more than four or five items that you discover that move you deeply and you are in the realm of ecstatic admiration of the gift of life which is a state that you have been gifted where you are breathing and what else is there to do after that but to choose to live your life and come alive 
enchanted, innate vibration is coming alive. You can be in ecstatic admiration and you won't get completely euphoric. You will remain grounded and you can thoroughly enjoy the, you know, the ecstatic admiration aspect. That's what enchanted enables. But as you find what's going on in your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially and environmentally, you know, like really you, you, you are admiring what's attractive about in those areas, acknowledging that which is not, you start attracting more and more and you're feeling deeply. So you've engaged your senses in this your partnership with the universe becomes so clear. And hence, this, you know, you, you rouse to ecstatic admiration of life itself. With this, with each facet, I always say, you know, I always ask myself, okay, is there anything else before I move to the next one? Is there anything else that remains to be seen? Is there anything else that remains to be experienced here? Before I move to the next one. And I mean, you, you really, you know, there is a segment of time. It's a pearl of wisdom segment of time in my world. And I just pick whichever pearl and, you know, in that segment of time, it can take me seven days, it can take me 14 days, I'll go through the seven. I don't compromise in any of the seven. And what you, those of you who've been putting this into practice would have already seen that there is some logic to the sequence with which these, the seven are constructed in each pearl of wisdom, because one builds on the next on the next. So my invitation is, even if it feels like really it's the soulful piece that you need to work with, just go from the top. It just makes it easier. And you really achieve the end result, end goal of that pearl of wisdom much faster. So I know Enchanted is a great one to just go dive into. And I still suggest go step by step. So the Enchanted, experience of this facet will be really anchored in your reality. Each of these, when it comes to ease, each of these, you will have so many light bulb moments, so many light bulb moments. And as you progress with ease, you will actually be able to see, you will actually be able to have the courage to see the fullness of whatever has occurred in any incident. Whereas in the past, you might have just pushed it away because you didn't want to really feel that way anymore. But actually, when you allow the fullness of your feeling, looking at it from the lens of ease, applying each facet to it, it is completely transformational and ease becomes your reality at a cellular level. This was my fast track to ease, joy, and grace. I now talk about joy, 
you know, joy, ease, grace, omnipresent. My journey began with ease. Joy, I had no idea how to deal with that. And that became a natural consequence. So, enchanted, deep dive, find that which is attractive in a full spectrum way that really moves you deeply. What moves you deeply in your, that is really attractive about you in your physical space, in your mental space, in your emotional space. I mean, it's, it's quite a phenomenal question to address and answer. You know, and the consequences, ecstatic admiration of the worthiness of you, the life you have lived and led. That it literally is like a blossoming, just like the spring blossoms that many of us are experiencing, where suddenly, you know, that one, one day to the next, the tree just fills up with these blossoms. That's what happens when you go into this enchanted inquiry into yourself. The fifth facet, is flowing. It, it, ease is flowing and it is flowing forward. It's an, you know, I, I keep, and we've been talking about this throughout the year that's just gone, which is all about, you know, moving, flowing in your flow. And it's all about moving forward. This entire next, next era of this planet is about forward movement. And it, that forward movement to be with momentum calls for flow if it is to be with ease. So ease naturally enables you the, to flow forward. And not only does it enable you, it actually gives you the ability to flow forward. And you can take that as a statement. And in my world, always anchor anything like this, which sparks your curiosity, anchor it in reality. In my world, you always take your mind along. So somebody's saying to me, oh, life's meant to be easy, take it easy. I was saying to Catherine, I would get really upset by that. It's like, well, how dare you, you know, tell me how to run my life? You don't know what I go through. You know? But okay, here I'm saying, it, life is, yes, meant to be easy. And one of the facets of ease is flowing forward flowing forward. Yeah, I move forward with my life. When I experienced a domestic violence and chose to move forward, didn't feel like flow at the time. But actually, with the benefit of hindsight, if I think about it, there was a flowing forward that was occurring at the same time. And that was my career. I was like, literally, I had created the ability within me to completely create a boundary of what was going on at home versus what was going on at work. 
And at work, because it was very clear that this was an area that I was going to really become masterful at in a different country like England, I practiced being present, not knowing that that is what I was doing, but that was the flowing forward part. I progressed very, very rapidly to very to the top echelons of, of industry because I was so present, I was able to connect the dots, all of that was occurring and there was a flowing forward that was taking place. I knew if I, if I was to understand business in a formal way, and I, you know, coming from India, we are all about, we do like our academics. So I had to get a degree, which was an MBA is what I thought. So I did get the MBA, but I chose one that I could do in my own time. I chose one that was very grounded in real projects, not just theory. And that enabled me to flow forward and create a whole new business in England itself, just as, a, as an MBA project became my first business there. The flowing forward was occurring even then. So when I did this benefit of hindsight, when I looked at how could that incident of 10 years of domestic violence equate to flowing forward, and I realized that actually that propelled this whole business aspect of my life to flow forward and gave me that sense of independence. And that serves me and enables me to serve the world now because I can communicate at that level and create a very powerful bridge between this deep spiritual world and what is called for in business flowing forward. So what it did for me was doing this benefit of hindsight work, engaging with these facets of ease, anchors it in your reality. Your mind becomes at ease. Because it's like, yeah, I do see it. Those worlds coexisted. The next, the sixth fact, of ease is rhythmic. There is a rhythm to it. There's a rhythm to it. So if you're not experiencing that rhythmic feeling and you know, to know what that feels like, you just listen to a piece of music. Or if you're into dancing, you can, you know, dance a few steps or if you're, if you're not into any of those you can just flow a bit and you will just be able to find and just connect your body okay where does my body want to go left right twirl whatever it is you and you get to understand that rhythm rhythm ease naturally connects you to the rhythm of you and the seventh facet The seventh facet is with when you are in the space in the space of ease. There is such a knowingness about ease that happens that you naturally are focused on 
taking the next step next. You're, you're, you're anchored in the overarching context of what you're about, whatever it may be, even if it is simply to live your life and come alive or something more meaningful to you, whatever it may be, when we are like, where, where our mind is somewhere else and we are wanting to lead forward to the end result, we sometimes miss some key steps and we collapse by the time you get to the end result. But when you are in a space of ease and you choose to take the first then step and then the next and then the next and then the next, new vantage point, new vistas open and you're able to really take in all the possibilities and opportunities that are available for you. And that is a facet of ease. Take the next step next. So much more can be talked about, about each one of these. And I'm going to bring it back to you, Catherine, to complete with ease. <laughs> My goodness, I got lost in that menu. I could have sworn it was like 5.45. I had no idea what time it was. But I love how you presented this. And there is this method to the madness with your work. And if we just look at life with this lens of ease and take one pillar at a time, it is magical. I'm really excited to get started with my own journey in this. And I love that you mentioned, you reminded us that joy becomes a consequence and there's yeah. really nothing to do. So thank you for that reminder. Can't wait to get, see you guys all right here next week. Thank you, Manu. It was thank wonderful. As always, we'll see you right here next week. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you.